Hello, romantic fantasy fans. My name is Jess, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. You've been listening to Bewitching a Highlander, which is a 2023 IBPA Benjamin of Franklin Award nominee and finalist for the romance category. We'll be finding out the results of that very soon. And we have the author, Roma Cordon, with us here. She's calling in for a virtual interview, and I'm so excited to chat with her. Roma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jess. I'm really, really excited about this interview. And yeah, thank you so much for, you know, letting me be on your show. Um, it, 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 I'm super excited. <laughs> oh my gosh, yay. Well, I'm so excited to have you. And this book was such an amazing read and I'm so excited to get into it with you. I think excited is just the word of the day for me when it comes to interviewing you. So I'm so glad that you're excited as well. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, yes. So hi, I'm Roma Cordon. I am a romance writer. Um, like many authors, I do have a day job. Um, I work in the finance industry, um, but in the evenings and the weekends, I am a passionate romance writer. Um, I write romance novels and I also write for my blog on romacordon.com. Uh, I live in New York City with my husband. Uh, and our rescue cats, uh, who we uh, adopted from local shelters. Um, I'm also a member of the Women's Fiction Writers Association um, and an active member of the RWA New York City chapter. Um, I earned my undergraduate and graduate degrees in New York. Um, and yeah, uh, seven years ago, during a trip to Scotland, uh, with my husband, the idea for Bewitching a Highlander was born. Oh my gosh. Well, that is obviously why we are all here and I can't wait to get into that. But I'm so curious. Well, first, you mentioned cats and I am an animal enthusiast. So how many cats do you have? What are their names? <laughs> um, we have two cats, um, Mr. Whiskers and Susie. Um, and one is... Um, completely uh black uh cat um i actually think black cats are super good luck they're for s good luck cause, absolutely um she yeah she's just the sweetest sweetest cat in the world Aww. and um my other cat is kind of a grumpy cat <laughs> um but she's also very sweet in her own way um so yeah no we just love them um they're they're very um animated and and they just they do fun, funny things all the time that's so, <laughs> so. sweet so cute. Oh, I love cats. And you also mentioned that you are a part of the Women's Fiction Writers Association. What is that? I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's a group um, in New York. Um, it's um, They do really great workshops for authors. Um, they have authors presenting. They have pub publishers uh, presenting. And, you know, they do really useful, helpful classes on you know, the craft and on writing. And they also have um, a critique group where you can, um, you know, get critique done on your work while you critique other authors, you know, just sort of like very useful, useful. It's a very useful tool for an author. Um, I am not as, yeah, as active in Women's Fiction Writers Association as I am in the RWA in New York City. Um, 
yeah but it, yeah they're both very useful tools for for yeah for women writers wow did you join these associations prior to publishing bewitching a highlander or were they a part of your writing process for this book at all um i actually joined rwa um while I was writing uh, my first book um, because they had a critique group that I was really, really interested in. I really, really wanted my work to be critiqued. Um, you know, I wanted to know what someone off the street, you know, would think of what I was writing. Um, you know, if something sounded, you know, not right or not believable or too scary or too way out there, you know, like it's good to have, you know, other eyes on your work just to, you know, and it was very useful. It, it still is extremely useful. Oh, that is so, so exciting. Very, very cool. I am really looking forward to hearing more about this book. And it sounds like you have other works as well. So I am ready to delve into those. You had mentioned that you went on this beautiful trip to Scotland, and that was where the sparks kind of ignited your excitement to start writing this book. Uh, what else can you tell us about your inspiration for writing Bewitching a Highlander? Yeah, you know, um, while on Scotland, uh, while in Scotland on the Isle of Skye, ooh, this was about seven years ago. Um, you know, my husband and I went on a few tours, you know, we toured Ellen Donnan Castle, Dunvegan Castle, um, you know, we listened to all these ghost stories and stories about witches and forest nymphs that the tour guides uh, told us, which and I was so fascinated. You know, I'm usually I'm very fascinated about European history. I was so fascinated. I went back home and I started researching, you know, the history of Scotland as it related to witches and, you know, forest nymphs and things like that. Um, and it turned out, actually, in um, the 1400s, um, there was uh, a churchman or an inquisitor. Um, you know, this, this, this story came about while I was just researching, um, you know, and this churchman um, uh, worked for the Archbishop of Salzburg. This was in the 1400s. Um, and he wrote a treatise called The Hammer of the Witches, which was basically, um, this, is, this is a true story. Um, this, uh, it was a treatise on how to basically torture witches, um, you know, before you burn them alive at the stake or before you hang them. Um, and, you know, of course, the local people, you know, um, had, had, you know, this one lady, um, there was a scandal that this churchman was involved with with this local um, churchgoer, this woman um, disliked him, you know, immensely. And she publicly scorned him. She even spat on him and called him like an evil monk. Um, and so, but she was very strong-minded, very bold, very outspoken. And she is the one that inspired my character, um, Brina in Bewitched a Highlander. Um, you know, and, and of course the Witchcraft Act in Scotland was abolished in 1735, but remnants of this mentality lingered in the society. So when my, my heroine came about in 1747, it was already ingrained in the society and the mentality, you know, burn the witches, you know, um, things like that. And so she was, my character is very, she's, um, sort of paranoid you know she she opens she the first page opens up and she's very paranoid of her abilities um and you know she is what we would call um a medicinal herbalist today but in those days that kind of knowledge in it, coming from a woman an outspoken bold woman 
would would be a very unsavory kind of a thing, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> my hero, my heroine uh, Brina is very bold. She's very outspoken. Um, she, uh, you know, she's dead set on causing trouble. Um, <laughs> and my hero is a future clan chief um, uh, charged with keeping the peace. So you know, you can already see the the you know, the heads budding, uh, the rivalry there. Of course, um, yeah. But yeah, that's basically how how the idea kind of came to me. Sure. Well, you had mentioned that you, uh, your other works, or that you are just in general a romance writer. What's your connection to the romance and, and the fantasy genre? Yeah, so, um, ooh, three decades ago, I'm really dating myself here, but um, <laughs> three decades ago, while in high school, um, my female classmates and I formed a book club, um, and we started reading these um, Harlequin romance novels and these Mills and Boone's romance novels. Um, and we would bor borrow these novels from a library. It was not a free library, so you would have to pay, pay a dollar to get a book. Um, but we had a club, a book club of about maybe 10, 10 girls, and so we would each borrow a book pay a dollar, read the book, and then swap the book with our fellow club members. Oh, that's so, fun. And there were, yeah, and there were 10 members. So we would basically pay a dollar and get to read 10 books, which was an awesome deal for someone in high school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, three decades uh, later, I'm still reading romance novels. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I... You know, I took a writing course many, many years ago, um, and I sort of had the idea of just writing a novel in the back of my mind. And then after visiting Scotland, I just, I don't know, I, I was so fascinated with the history of Scotland and the witches. I just literally came back from the trip and I just put pen to paper. Wow. Um, and yeah, that was it. Yeah. I mean, at first it sounds like romance just, I mean, it sounds like you've always been a book lover, but. It sounds like romance is just a really deep-seated history within you. So that's so amazing and special. And uh, I, I love yeah. the idea that you kind of grew up immersed in that world. So that's really cool. And yeah, yeah I, I can see why you would be inspired going to Scotland and just feel like you need to continue to immerse yourself in that world. So I love that. That's amazing. Aside from Brina, who it sounds like is based off of this heavily historical woman uh are your other characters inspired by or are there other things in the book even that are inspired by research you've done or things that exist in your world um yeah i mean well you know uh the trip to scotland sort of gave me an idea of the setting and um visiting the castle sort of really got me into that world it literally I, I came back and i immersed myself in the research um and i think speaking to tour guides and i even spoke to librarians um and i just literally uh fell into the into the whole this whole world um and i think brina um is really the character she's the heroine of, of bewitching a highlander she's the one that really drove the story and drove my you know, uh, the other characters in the book is just sort of like playing off of her energy, you know, like they sort of came after the fact, you know, there's her uncle, Craig, 
Um, there is, of course, Egan, Brina's um, love interest. Um, and I wanted a really strong uh, uh, male character to play off of her strong female, you know, strong-minded female uh, personality. But, but the hero also had to be you know gentle you know have have the ability to be gentle and understanding and you know sort of in my mind the perfect hero <laughs> um strong and gentle you know these um opposites you know um so so um he sort of for i sort of formed him based off of my female lead um and yeah and then there's her uncle and then there's her father that um comes about later on in the book she is actually she, the book opens with her trying to rescue yeah uh, her father um so these other characters just sort of came after the fact wow yeah I, but she is she is sort of like the main you know the main uh creation in my head sure i like <laughs> so that a lot I, it definitely felt like it was brina's world and we were all living in it uh when i was reading the book which was I think just a really great way to to identify with her and her perspective. So I really enjoyed that. And it's so funny. And I we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, how the there were some similarities just in location and kind of similar themes with the show Outlander. So I was picturing Egan as kind of the same Jamie Fraser type character <laughs> so everything you're saying yeah. just reinforcing everything I was picturing to begin with <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah definitely yeah. definitely from the same world absolutely yes, definitely well um you had mentioned you have other books as well and I'm so curious because I could be wrong but I would assume that this is one of your more recent books that you have written and published um, so what was your writing process like in writing this book and especially in comparison to your other books? Yeah, um, uh, I guess you, I was what was, uh, we, we fondly call a panster, <laughs> um, <laughs> while writing <laughs> Bewitching a Highlander. Yes. <laughs> um, and a, a, a panster is a writer who writes by the seat of their pants. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I came back from Scotland. I had this grand idea in my head, you know, I had this idea of like these lush, you know, highlands, you know, mountains or bends, as you call them, yes. glens, you know, uh, lush with thistle and lavender. And just I had this wonderful idea in my head and I came back. I basically sat on my laptop and I just wrote whatever came wow. to my head. This, this, is... Is, this is a panster. And, <laughs> and then you would go back, you would go back and you would edit. You would have to edit, of course, two or three times. But of course, in my yeah. car, in my currently, I'm working on uh, book two of the Scottish Highland Warrior series, and oh. I have to say, yeah, I have to say that I'm exhibiting tendencies of a plotster. Okay. <laughs> um, and a plotster is what we would call a, a writer who has a, a roadmap of the entire plot, sure, uh, mapped out before they even start, but. I have to say, I'm not exactly a plotster. I still, I'm sort of like in between the two. But sure. what I do 
do with the current manuscript is I have to come up with character profiles before I even start the book, you know, and character profiles with, you know, what's the character like? What's their dislike? You know, who are their families? What's the significant uh, events that occurred in their lives and how did it, you know, up until this point and how did it sort of mold the way that they think, you know, sure. the way that they act, um, their, you know, the, their um, opinions, you know. Um, I even went as far as to figure out my character's um, favorite colors, favorite food. Oh, wow. Uh, and most importantly, yeah, most importantly in the current book, their political affiliations, because this dictated a lot how the person act would act in certain situations, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would come, I would craft an entire character profile before I start but not really having a roadmap of the plot in my head, just sort of like a vague idea. But then I sort of let the the story sort of take me where it wants, you know, just let it flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say currently I'm a little bit of a pantser and a little bit of a plotster. <laughs> I love that, that combination of both. And I feel like it's such a nice thing to have a balance of. And I definitely can see the aspects of it that you would need to have planned out because there yeah. are so many things that I felt like came full circle in the end. I won't spoil it for our audience who hasn't listened to the full book yet, but, uh, and then things that you just get so immersed that you get carried away in the world. So that is very cool. And I love hearing that that was your process. And yeah, I'm curious compared to your other books, did you feel like you were similarly, uh, a balanced plan planner, pantser, pant plotter. <laughs> all of the <laughs> all of the different <laughs> words. Uh, we've taught it's funny because we've had other authors use the the terminology before, but it still just delights me so much. So do you feel like you had a good balance of blow blow see now I'm just stumbling over of both. It's it's definitely a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that I, I think I am sort of, I like to have uh, an open mind uh, when I'm writing. So even though like I have these uh, completed character profiles in my head or actually rather on, on the page, um, I kind of like to be a little flexible. So, you know, as I'm writing, like maybe it would make more sense to have them dislike, you know, the color red rather than dislike the color blue, you know, like I would change certain things. I mean, that's just kind of like a little example, but I just, uh, I remain open-minded and that's kind of why I think maybe I would never fully uh, embrace the plotster mentality <laughs> um, because, <laughs> because I just kind of have to have an open end, you know, to kind of for, that, for, the, for the creative juices to kind of flow. Sure. Well, did you in your little um, character breakdown, did you include physical appearance in that? Oh, absolutely. Um, for uh, for uh, romance readers, we have to have a hero that's just, you know, handsome, gorgeous, <laughs> handsome, <laughs> you know, kind of like Jamie Frazier. <laughs> That, that's how all our heroes have to look like. And, you know, the 
the heroines are always i think it's more important for the heroines to at least my heroines to be more like uh strong-minded you yes. know intelligent beautiful women um I, I think that's definitely as important as sure. them being beautiful you of know of course yeah. yeah i love that and i totally agree as someone who you know i love seeing a strong female character so I think that it's so important to be able to to show that above everything else. Like she's capable of handling herself. She doesn't need to be rescued, saved, whatever. But then this person Fair. comes along and kind of brings out that soft side of her maybe or, you know, just kind of is willing to give in to her, <laughs> which is Definitely. not as much yeah. what, um, what Egan yeah, was doing. No but <laughs> Yeah, no, and and definitely, I mean, a strong-minded, uh, outspoken woman, of course she needs a hero. I mean, we all need heroes, right? So it's, it's, it's you know, they both would play off of each other, and they need each other, you know? So it's definitely not like, oh, I'm capable, I don't need you. Definitely nothing like that. Um, just, I think they both need each other equally, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Well, you had mentioned a little bit that you have a book coming out as well. And usually we save this question to later, but I'm curious, what can you tell us now about your sequel that's coming out? Yeah, so currently I'm working on the manuscript for book two um, in the Scottish Highland uh, Warrior series. Um, it's the story of Phoebe Dunbar. She is Egan Dunbar's sister. Um, and Egan Dunbar is the hero from Bewitched a Highlander. Um, the first book. Um, and so uh, the second book will be about Phoebe Dunbar, um, her secret and very dangerous uh, job of being a rebel spy. <laughs> I know we were just talking about Jacobite rebels and hey. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so she uh, has this very dangerous job of being a rebel spy and her love interest um, is a British army captain. Um, and Egan does return in book two, but I have to say he will not be too pleased in book two when he catches his sister in a, a very compromising situation with this uh, army captain. Um, and yeah, that's maybe all I'll, <laughs> maybe that I'll leave you with that teaser. <laughs> well, I am a big fan of that idea. So I'm looking forward to when that book comes out. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit just because I was reminded that uh, of the research that you had done into this older, you know, you said, I think it was 1400s or so, or maybe, yeah, it must have been 1400s. Or so when they came out with the rules for how they would treat witches and how they would deal with them and, yeah. and the conflict between that town leader and the one woman who seemed very yeah. witch-like to him. Um, I'm curious yeah. what other research you did to, you know, fortify your book. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I, I traveled to Scotland a couple of times. And in addition to that, I did a lot of reading on, um, actually on RollMcCordon.com, there is a resource, resource <laughs> tab, which lists some of the witchcraft books that I use as um, references. Um, so I read yeah, I, I read books by actual uh, witches, um, books um, written by Anne-Marie Gallagher. Um, she is a, a professor. I think she's a professor at Oxford. I'm not sure, but she also would call herself a witch. 
Yeah. So there are books by Anne-Marie Gallagher, Scott Cunningham, Miriam Weinstein. These were all like really great source books for witchcraft material. Um, I also, um, you know, uh, my story, um, Bewitching a Highlander, um, takes place in 1747 Scotland. Um, and this would, yeah, this would be the Georgian period um, in, uh, I guess, British history. Um, it's roughly around 1700s to 1800s. Um, they call it the Georgian era because, you know, we had uh, the Hanoverian kings, King George I, King George II, <laughs> King George III, and I think there was even a King George the IV. Um, so this was the Georgian period. So I kind of read, yeah, I, I read the books on the costumes, um, Georgian costumes by Mila Davenport, and also we had the classic Georgian style um, architecture by L Lady Henrietta Spencer. Um, and those books were great for like even just setting the scene of like what someone would wear or like what would a study look like or what would a library look like or even what would your lawn outside like a castle, what would that look like? Um, so yeah, no, yeah, those books were really um, useful. And you know, like everybody else, I also, I was on Wikipedia <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> and I was also on uh, Pinterest. Pinterest is great for costumes, like kind of visualizing colors and things like that. So yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I, and this is part of, part of the process that I actually like, you know, just researching um, history, mostly European history, I have to say. I just, I find this stuff really fascinating. You mentioned that you are a, a European history buff. Were there things that you knew already going into writing your book that you were like, oh, I think this is really cool. I've known this for a while. I want to incorporate that. Um, I mean, obviously, I would assume some degree of everybody knows a little bit about all of the crazy things that people used to do to witches or people who were presumed witches or, as you said, herbalists even, people who seemed somewhat witchy but maybe today wouldn't necessarily be considered a witch <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely i mean i think everyone knows a little bit about the the witch hunts you know that took place in europe around the 1400s i think it peaked around the 1400s and it probably even lasted until maybe like 1600s but you know i mean um you know i also watch a lot of movies and i you know um I also see what, you know, well, I guess you can say Hollywood's version of, of what happened. Um, but yeah, no, I think mostly before that, I think um, my, um, how do you say, exposure would be mostly like, you know, reading up on, on uh, you know, um, like, you know, the movie Braveheart or movies on uh, Bruce, you know, um, or you know, just sort of like a Scottish history kind of um, uh, movies. Um, but not really, I wouldn't say like too deep into the history. Um, I think the process of writing this book kind of made me go really deeper. Definitely. Well, it seems like it's something you're so passionate about. I, the way that you were able to just pull up books that you read that were really inspiring for you and that gave you an idea of how you wanted to do certain things. I, I would assume that it's just you've dedicated your whole life to learning European and Scottish history. So that is very cool that it's something that you really put intention into for the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think um, 
what I think maybe it's more of the fact that I was there and I, I started listening to all the tour guides and all these stories and they always make these stories so interesting and so like titillating. You're like, oh my God, I really want to learn more. So yeah, no, it definitely prompted me to go home and just hit Google, you know, and just Google all these names and places. And I just, you know, I uh, sometimes I would fall into a rabbit hole of like websites on Scottish history or on witchcraft, um, you know, two in the morning. <laughs> Um, but you know, just, yeah, just like anyone else, just if something is really interesting, you just kind of, you want to read more and more about it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going on while I was writing this book. Wow. Well, I find that and I find your process so fascinating. So thank you for sharing. I'm so curious with, I mean, it sounds like you've put so much into all of this and I'm going to backtrack again a little bit because I know you've written other books. I just, I feel like my brain is just filling up with all of these questions I have for you. Uh, but you've written other books. Are they also um, in the sphere of uh, Scottish and, and European history? What are your other books about? Um, this Bewitching a Highlander is actually my debut. I, um, oh, oh my gosh. I did okay. write, yeah. Yeah. No, I did write a book before Bewitching a Highlander, but I think right now it's probably accumulating dust <laughs> in my kitchen drawer. Um, so that was the first story. Um, you know, it's probably going to stay in that little drawer. Bewitching a Highlander is really the first published wow. book. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, so blown away that you know uh, Sue Arroyo and the team at CamCat you know um, agreed to publish my book it, it was basically it. a dream yeah. come true for me oh well that <laughs> makes me so happy yeah oh good thank well, you yeah no yeah I, it must be so great too right and we were talking a little bit beforehand as well about the IBPA Benjamin Franklin Awards and and how exciting it has been for you to to be a nominee and finalist in the romance category and it just I mean, yeah, if getting an award as an author, especially for your debut novel, must be so cool. I think in my head, I was thinking that you had written things before because you mentioned yeah, that you joined no, the women. Sorry. Oh, no, I no, should have. Don't be yeah, sorry at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you had joined the, um, what was it called? The Women's Fiction Writers Association, yeah, Association yeah, yeah. after your first book. Yeah. So I just assumed, oh, she must have already been a part of it when she was working on Bewitching a Highlander. But that's so great that you joined recently it must have been then yeah no I actually joined maybe like I want to say maybe seven years ago um because this was kind of when I started writing well what this is kind of when the idea started to take form in my head um and I kind of knew that I needed to be part of an association to kind of like maybe guide me on the process and maybe like you know, because I was new to everything, like doing this book, I was new to the world of writing, to crafting, to everything. And I just kind of wanted to be part of an association that would kind of just guide me to, you know, what, you know, if I, uh, you know, needed help on something or whatever, you know, I could speak to other authors that, you know, have been through the process. And, and it's definitely helpful being part of like a re recognized organization that can, you know, just be a resource for you. Because writing is kind of like a solitary kind of a thing. You basically just sit at your computer and you 
basically just write it's basically just writing down ideas you know so at some point i feel like you kind of have to touch base with reality <laughs> you know so to speak um so i think these organizations just it really helped me you know personally just to kind of um you know kind of learn the process as i went along that's so so great well i mean it sounds like you had so many things going for you you're very much it seems like someone who can balance planning and pantsing and also you had these it sounds this these communities that you you joined that really helped bolster you and and push you in the direction that you needed to go i'm curious what was the hardest scene for you to write um the hardest scene to write in bewitching a highlander would have to be um it was um a battle scene um there's a kidnapping that was just um oh my goodness you had to sort of get in touch with uh, anger and depression and sadness and just think of like the worst one of the worst experiences of your life you know and you just sort of had to get in touch with those emotions and those feelings and you had to stay in that uh state just to write uh the scene so there's a kidnapping scene and the kidnapping leads to a battle um and i just sort of had to immerse myself in in that you know that state just for a, a long time and it's like it really does get to you like you kind of have to you can do it in in stages like you can't just sit there and write the whole thing you kind of have to take a step back and take a breather and you know kind of just uh, touch base with reality <laughs> like I have to say you know like I like to say just touch base with reality and then take a break and then go back and um, then kind of immerse yourself in there again um, but yeah I would say the battle scene and the kidnapping scene um, was kind of yeah was yeah. difficult yeah but yeah they sound really emotionally difficult too in addition to being hard just physically to write or to to get into the 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 swing up I guess um so wow that's so interesting uh, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit because Gabe and I were talking before you got on the call about how much we just absolutely loved the narration for your audiobook and that's what all of our audience has been listening to on the podcast so I'm so curious uh what was your role in choosing the person to narrate also what uh sort of what was it like to hear your own words read back to you for the first time? Did you enjoy that experience? Were you heavily involved? Yeah, I, I have to say, um, Myra Kirk is amazing. Um, she, um, CamCat did a spectacular job in choosing her as narrator for this book. It was a genius move um, on CamCat's part. I did have a little bit of input into it. Um, but thank God I left it to the experts at CamCat. Um, but I have to say, Myra Kirk is amazing. She was born to read this book. Her Scottish accent is, is just perfection. She does a perfect Brina, uh, who's my hero, and she lowers the timbre of her voice just uh, a little bit to kind of 
get into that deep masculine tone which she uses for uh for my he hero egan dunbar and i just have to say she did an absolutely amazing job like when i, I when i listened to i first turned on the audiobook i mean her voice is so gripping and her her accent is so um perfect like amazingly scottish accent that i literally could not put it down i couldn't put the book down until the very end so i was totally blown away absolutely blown away by by the job that she did that's so great and did it sound the way that you expected it would in your head it did and i have to say it sounded even better um because yeah no because she i think she's definitely Oh my God, she's just definitely amazing. I don't know how uh, they do it, but she, she, you know, just perfect. She was actually better, absolutely better than I thought, you know, definitely. Love that. Uh, it's been so interesting to hear all the different authors have had different perspectives on hearing their audiobook narration or, or some of them have said, you know what, I, I it, it's too weird for me to listen to my own words read back to me, so... So I won't do it. And that's totally fine, too. But some people have said that, you know, they really I mean, many people said they really enjoy the narration. And some people have said that it was completely I still enjoyed it, but it just sounded so completely different than what I thought it would sound like. And so to hear that it really met and exceeded your expectations is just such a, a thrilling thing to hear. So I'm so, so glad that it had that impact on you. And I know gave like I was saying Gabe and I absolutely loved listening to her. It really helps immerse you in the world when you have a good voice actor to kind of lead you into it. So I'm glad that you got to get lost in your own world as well. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Thank you. It was it was great. It was great. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I feel like I think of things as they uh, come into my brain but they have to do with something that you mentioned like five minutes ago. So I'm going to once again backtrack. And uh, I had asked you in your little um, character descriptions that you worked out beforehand, if you had any people in mind or if you had physical attributes in mind for each character as you were writing them down. Um, one question that we love to ask people on the podcast is who you would cast if you're book were to become a movie and so I'm wondering if you had any actors in mind as you were writing down physical descriptions or just in general who you would cast <laughs> this is an awesome question uh because I've actually I have thought about this um and it's interesting because um with the current book that I'm uh, I'm gonna uh you know sort of give you a broader answer but in the current book that I'm um uh, writing I have a picture of an actor and a picture of an actress on my screen and if you know I want them uh, to describe how they are when they're angry or when they're in love or when they're you know doing something devious I literally look at <laughs> I literally look at a snippet of their work um, and I see them, you know, doing these different, going through these different uh, emotions. And I literally put it down on paper. That is really neat. I haven't heard that yet. That's really cool. So, so for, um, so for um, Bewitching a Highlander, I would say, um, I have to say James, <laughs> James McAvoy. <laughs> I okay, think he yeah. would be, yeah, I think he would be the perfect Egan Dunbar. I think he's got, 
James McAvoy has that like rugged Scottish good looks and that kind of wicked charm sure. uh, that would just be perfect for Egan Dunbar. Uh, maybe like a 30 year old James McAvoy. <laughs> I think he was he, he was maybe 30 when he did um, <clears throat> the first class X-Men movie. Uh-huh. Um, so I would think uh, David McAvoy cir uh, circa that that time period. Um, and I think for Brina, you know, I definitely needed a strong-willed, intelligent, beautiful uh, young woman. Um, and I would think maybe Kieran Knightley would be really awesome to play Brina. Um, yeah, Gabe is nodding too. Like... We're all, yeah, <laughs> Kieran Knightley would be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because she, she like, especially that movie Pride and Prejudice, she just came across as, like, really, like, intelligent, yes. uh, beautiful, but just uh, outspoken, you know? Yes. Um, so I kind of like those elements of, you know, the characters that, you know, that she plays on, on TV. Uh, sorry, the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> She's, like, a big movie star. So, yeah, I think she does those characteristics really, really well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so great. I and it's fun because sometimes some of the authors will mention actors and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But I'm not sure who they are referring to. And those people <laughs> I know very well as, you know, actors on the big screen. So it's perfect yeah. because I can very much picture them. Um, and it's funny, too, because I think I told you that Egan in my brain kind of looks like Jamie Fraser. But now that you say James <laughs> McAvoy, I'm like, oh, yeah. absolutely James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny. I was Googling him, uh, as you do, um, these famous actors and actresses. Um, and he, there was an old picture that came up. He was in his twenties and he was wearing a kilt. And I have to say, I immediately thought of Egan Dunbar when I saw him in the kilt and I'm like, I'm like, that's it. That is it. That's exactly who would play him. That's so great. I love that so much. Well, uh, before we let you go, Roma, this has been so lovely. I'm so curious. What books are you reading right now? Yeah, um, I am usually in uh, the middle of three different books or so, like at any given point. So um, <laughs> let's start with the serious books. I am reading Donald Mass's um, The Emotional Craft of Fiction. Um, and he does, I'm actually rereading it because Donald Mass does a really great job of sort of describing, um, or, you know, helping the author to describe like emotions on the page, you know, and he, he gets, uh, below the surface, not at the obvious emotion of, yeah, we know when people are angry and they're sad or they're depressed or they're in love. You know, but not the surface emotions, but the deeper emotions, like the little dark emotions in the back of your mind, you know, kind of motivating you. Um, he does a really good job of sort of helping you to find those crafting skills. Um, I'm, I'm also in the middle of um, Susan Olette's uh, The Wayward Spy. I actually just started it. Amazing book. I, I, I. The only reason I put it down was because I had to go seriously do something else. Um, but I I can't wait to get back to it. Um, the first three chapters blew me away. Um, I'm also uh, going to start um, Deanna Rayburn's um, second book in the Veronica Speedwell mystery series. So I am about to start that one as well. 
So I'll stop, I'll stop naming books now because I'm also in the middle of another book, but I, <laughs> I think uh, I'll stop at this point. <laughs> but yeah, I'm usually, in the, I'm usually in the middle of like two or three or four books at any given point. That is so neat. I'm very much a person who like starts and then stops something. I can't do too many at once because I get so immersed in what the one thing that I'm doing that I nothing can distract me. So I really admire that you can do several books at once. And it's so funny you mentioned Susan. We actually just interviewed her and had her on the podcast as well. So that has been you're also not the first one of our authors to say that you're reading the wayward spy right now. So uh, I'm so glad that you guys are all supporting each other. And I actually think one of our authors recently said, I just started Bewitching a Highlander. And so it's always really fun to hear that you guys are, are reading each other's books and supporting each other in that way. So that's very fun for me, especially when I've talked to that author already. So before we let you go, Roma, where can our audience find you? Yeah, um, the best place to find me is on romacordon.com. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, you can you just scroll down, you, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on BookBub, I'm, you know, I'm on a few sites. Um, you can, uh, links to all the different sites, um, are on romacordon.com. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, check out Bewitching a Highlander, um, on CamCat, uh, CamCat books, uh, as well. Um, so I'm also on that website. Yay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, Roma, thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I am, I was really excited when you, you know, contacted me to do this interview. So thank you so much for having me. I really, really am honored and I appreciate it. Thank you. That warms my heart so much. And as I said, I, I just really love every single one of our authors has been so sweet and kind and I feed off your excitement and I feel like I'm always saying how excited I am to talk to you and to talk to our other authors, but I, I can't think of another word just because I was so excited to talk to you and to get to hear all of your little background tidbits about your book. So thank you so, so much. And to the listeners at home, you can find Bewitching a Highlander in ebook, audiobook, and print formats on our website, camcatbooks.com or wherever books are sold. You can find CamCat Unwrapped on all major podcasting platforms or watch us on our YouTube channel and make sure you follow us on social media at CamCat Books. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in and unwrapping another one of our books to live in with me. My name is Jess and I will see you all next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.